Good morning. Today's reading is in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, from verses 32 to 40. Uh, feel free to follow along in a Bible that you uh, have in the pew there, or one you brought along, or be blessed by listening. Indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth, and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything been done like this great thing, or has anything been heard like this? Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire, as you have heard it and survived? Or has a God tried to go to take for himself a nation from within another nation by trials, by signs and wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by an outstretched arm, and by great terrors, as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, he is God. There is no other besides him. Out of the heavens, he let you hear his voice to discipline you. And on earth, he let you see his great fire. And you heard his words from the midst of the fire. Because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he personally brought you from Egypt by his great power driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in and to give you their land for an inheritance as it is today. Know therefore today and take it to your heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and in the earth below, there is no other. So you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I am giving you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Father God, I, th I thank you that uh, you have given as a witness to the nations the, um, Lord, the, uh, the miracles that you've used on your people the people of Israel, the, the, the Jewish people. And Lord, I pray that, that, that each of us on a personal level will look at back in our own history about how you moved events and, uh, and, and had relationships uh, come upon us that, that not only brought us to your salvation, but brought us here amongst this family of God to worship you and Lord, to have fellowship. Father God, thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music and in the reading of your word and the preaching of the same. Uh, we thank you for our pastor Steve who loves you, who loves your word, and who loves us as flock. I pray that you would put on his heart and mind what you would have him say to us today. And Lord, we would have ears to hear and take to heart what he preaches. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all here on this Lord's Day. It's indeed a blessing to be together. My wife and I received this magazine, I think it's a monthly magazine, called Birds and Blooms. 
and it's about birds and flowers. And so we have a bird feeder in the backyard, and we got lots of flowers, so we read this magazine. But I was reading a little article the other day about the birds, and, and it talks about they have, so I, I'm, I'm learning things, never knew this, they have both calls and songs. And again, calls is how they communicate. And you know, if you're outside and you hear birds, you know, they're communicating to each other, okay? And the song's a little bit different, and I'm not, maybe not smart to figure out exactly what they are, but there's, there's songs, and what the article said is that's typically the way that the males communicate to the females. So I thought that was really <laughs> just striking, but they have their communication, and of course we have communication as well. But I was thinking of the songs, it was, it was just encouraging listening to, listening to and singing the songs, because as we sing our songs here this morning, we are both singing and listening. It says in, in Ephesians 5, verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, make, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. So it just it's a blessing that God has given us the ability to sing. And to sing, we hear it, but to be together, I tell you, it's much better for me being here singing with you than it is at home singing by myself. It's just, it's a real treat and a blessing and an uh, encouragement to our hearts and our souls. But it's good to see this morning we're going through Deuteronomy. It's uh, Deuteronomy 8, that is. Um, I'm looking at selected chapters, and this is the one I, I, I thought would be good for us. It's, it's what I call a classic chapter. There, there's so much in it. It's, it's a very important chapter. It's what I call a big picture chapter, a summary chapter. It's, it's, it's one that really outlines how God was working with the Jewish people, with the Israelites. And the main point of the first three verses in Deuteronomy 8 is that, that God was stressing the importance of how they needed to obey his commands, for that's how then they would carry out God's purposes. That was the means by then which they would be blessed and be successful, and the means by which they would then be glorifying God. And and, and Moses was talking to these Israelites, and the, you have to understand, these are the children of those Israelites who had entered 40 years earlier, okay? The children. A lot of things happen over that 40-year period of time. And you look at Exodus and Leviticus and number, Deuteron, Exodus, Leviticus, and um, they are the, pretty much the first part of that 40 years. But when you go to Numbers, it's the last part of Numbers, and all of Deuteronomy speaks of really at the end of that 40-year period of time. And Moses has a lot of things he wants to tell them, and, and, and again, he's stressing, as we see here, really in this chapter, a lot about the importance of obedience. What we also see, and, and let's, in fact, let's turn here, let's turn to Deuteronomy 8. I just want to read the first couple verses to review here. Deuteronomy 8 and verses 1 and 2. Deuteronomy 8, verse 1 says, All the commandments that I'm commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So we see there that God was stressing the importance then of them keeping his commandments and one of the means by which they were to be encouraged to keep his commandments was the humbling process. And what we understand as we read Deuteronomy 8 other places that God was humbling these Israelites, helping them see that they needed him, helping them see that they needed to trust him and helping them see that they needed to obey him. We, we sang that song, Trust and Obey. 
And, and that's a, a key element of this chapter here. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3 says, He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, and he, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And so God then was teaching them to trust him for their food. We go to verse 4, and it says, Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Pretty amazing, their clothes and their shoes <laughs> that didn't wear out. Their feet didn't swell. That's something going through the desert like that. But God was teaching them to trust him for their clothing. So what we understand is God then was testing the Israelites. He was teaching them to trust him in these two physical areas of food and clothing. That's what he was doing. And we understand, we see, you read the text in Deuteronomy and Exodus particularly, you see God indeed met their needs. So God was trying to teach these Jews spiritual lessons. In general, they were living on a physical plane, and God wanted them to live on a spiritual plane. They was going by what they could see and but not going by looking to God and trusting him. They worried about their food and clothes. They didn't see their need for God. We understand that as we read the text. And God then let them go physically hungry. He let them go through trials to teach them to turn to himself. So God then was humbling the Jews, showing them they didn't have anything without him, that he was the source of all that was good. And that's so important for us to understand too. All that you have that is good is, is from God. So God then tested them in these two areas, these things they could see, showing them that they spiritually needed him, that is God whom they couldn't see. That's what he wanted to do, teach them to get off this physical plane and start seeing things on a spiritual plane. That's what he desired for them. But for most of them, they failed the test. They worried, they grumbled, they complained, they, they, they didn't see that God loved them, they didn't see that God wanted to be good to them, that God would come through for them, that God would provide for them. They didn't, they didn't see that. It says, in, and this is a very sad commentary, verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, with most of them, God was not pleased. They were laid low in the desert. And when we say most, we mean everybody but Joshua and Caleb and their families, that was it. I mean, you talk about two million people coming in. Now, the, what, it, what happened, just so, so you understand clar clarity here, is that the people that died were the ones that were 20 and older. Okay, that's the ones who died. But the younger ones and ones born then were the ones that entered the promise, promised land. But the point here is that God uses physical things to teach us spiritual lessons. Okay, he does this really all the time. And being taught spiritual lessons in physical areas are beginner lessons. You understand that? Being taught spiritual lessons in physical areas are beginner lessons. And so God then wants us to learn to trust him that he will meet our physical needs, that he'll meet our need for food and clothing and shelter. He'll meet our need financially too. Finances is part of this area of physical need. And then what God wants to do, we, on that level, he then wants us to trust him for spiritual areas as well and even then use us in spiritual areas. And let me say this. If we can't trust God in the physical areas of life, then it's harder for God to use us in the spiritual things of life. It is a vital thing that we understand. And God knows then that if we're worried about physical things, then we're not spiritually thinking right. We're not seeking God. We're not trusting God. We're not obeying God like we should. I want you to go to, to Matthew chapter 6, a, a chapter that you know, but I, I believe it really illustrates this point and goes along perfectly what we're reading here in Deuteronomy. You know the verse, I just, it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
just one verse here. I'll look at then a whole set of other more verses. But verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. And I mentioned last week, we need to be on that mindset where every day we're saying, Lord, I need food from you. We can so easy, hey, I got food in the refrigerator. I got food in the pantry. I got lots of food. Give us this day our daily bread. We need to, we, we, we need to pray that. But let's continue on to verse 15. Excuse me, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So there he's talking about the money. But then he goes, verse 25, For this reason I say to you, don't be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is, is not life more than clothing and the body more than clothing? More than, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Very instructional, very important. So never forget that the Lord your God is teaching you these lessons, this lesson then that you're to grow in faith, that you're to trust God for the most basic areas of life. And if you're not looking to God with regards to food and clothing, you will then be looking to yourself or you'll be looking to others. You will be worried like the world is worried. And you'll be lacking in faith. You won't be trusting God. We go back to verse 30 there, what Jesus says there to the disciples. And oftentimes we can be like this, and they don't want the Lord to tell you this. You of little faith, if you're worried about your food and clothes and you're still on that physical plane but not in the spiritual plane, you've got to say, God, help me get past this. I mean, just to trust you for these basic things of life. That's what, that's what God wants for you. That's what he was teaching the, the, the Israelites there in the desert, trying to teach them. So one of the main subjects then in Deuteronomy 8 is that God wanted his people to keep his commandments and keeping God's commandments then is directly related to trusting God. That is, you're not going to be able to obey God if you're not trusting God. And you're not going to be able to trust God if you don't know and love God. And so that's what God was teaching the Israelites, and that's what God is teaching us. He's teaching us to know him and to love him so that we trust him and obey him so that we then keep the commands that he has for us. Exodus and, and Numbers tell us that God gave the Israelites all these reasons that they should trust him. All these reasons, we, we just, to, just to mention a few, he, he miraculously, you know the story, delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, and then they crossed over that river. He stopped the river. They went over in dry land. He provided all their food and made sure that their clothes did not wear out. He protected them from their enemies as they traveled through this desert land. He, he kept his promise and brought them through the desert and right up to the promised land. And he led them for 40 years, led them by a cloud by day and a, and a fire by night. We mentioned last week, and I, I love this chapter, the con, not so much a lot of content, just the whole principle, Deut uh, Numbers 33. 
and had the 40 stages of their journey on those 40 years. And it wasn't like each stage was a year. It was like some stages might be a month and some might be two years. And, but there's all these stages. And what I shared with you, and it's important because we just read that verse in Jeremy, all the way which God has led you. Think about this for your own life. You all have stages. You're all on a journey. It's a good word to use for our Christian life. We are on journeys. And sometimes we think, oh, I wish things were like the past. No, you're on a journey. Today's the day God has you where he wants you for today. This day is an important day. And so for 40 years, you think about that, and you think about your own life. Go back 40 years. Where are you at in 1984? Okay, I assume here, all of you here were alive in 84, most of you. You're alive, okay? And I don't know if you're all saved or not, but think back how God has led you all these years. It's important that you do that. That's instructional for your life. Think back how God has led you all the way. My wife was, was 1984. That's when she became a Christian. And so that's when I met her, too. <laughs> she got saved in September 9-11, and I met her then, I think, on 11-20, November 20th. So anyway, it's important and, and to think this, because as we think about the past, that then will help you to see reasons. You'll see God's love for you, you know, in the present. And so all these things that God did then showed that he was God and showed that he was the only God. It showed these Israelites that he was holy and loving and merciful and loving and powerful. All these things, that's what's going on. And I want you to turn to, to, to Psalm 136. It's, it's, a, it's another, it's a, what I call a, a classic psalm. It's a standalone, and you should, one you should just never forget. I'm not going to read it, but I just want to mention a couple of things about this here. But this psalm summarizes God's dealings with the Israelites during their time in the desert. This psalm is all about God being with them during those 40 years in the desert. And what's the phrase that appears 26 times? His love endures forever, you see. And so for you, you think about your life, you think about the last 40 years or whatever years you want to go back to, God has led you all the way, or God has loved you all the way. His love endures forever. Never forget that. This is so important. We, we question God. I question God myself sometimes. God, you really love me? You really care? And we can do it so easy. And that's why he's trying to impress upon them and upon us the importance of his love for us. And so the Israelite, God wanted the Israelites then to see his, his, his character and, 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 and to be thankful and not grumble. He wanted the Israelites to learn to worship him and and not be worshiping idols, which they did. They remember the golden calf, and he wanted them then to, to obey him and not just go and do their own thing. But I want you to see this, and this is a very sad commentary, but go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I mentioned that verse 5 before about with, he was not pleased with most of them, but 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 10, verse 6 is to 11. And these, these are very sad verses here, but it's the truth. These things, talking about the Israelites back in the desert, these things happened as examples to us right here. So that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord, as some of them did, and, and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. These things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Very, 
very important. That's why we're going through this Deuteronomy 8. And there's other, many things other like that. But back to Psalm 136. I just want to read the first three verses. It's the introduction to this psalm. It doesn't so much talk about the Israelites, but it's foundational. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loving kindness is everlasting. I have to understand, we, we talked about the main theme of this, or the primary theme of this psalm is, is knowing God's love for us. But another primary theme is what we're just talking about here, being thankful, okay? And being thankful, then, is a key to seeing and knowing God's love and character. And a key, then, to loving God and obeying God, you see? It's a key, then, to seeing his love for you and a key, then, to loving him and to obeying him. In the first three verses and then the last verse in Psalm 136, give thanks to the God of heaven for his loving kindness is everlasting. We see those four verses are all talking about thankfulness. And the point, again, to understand very clearly, if you don't feel like you're understanding God's love, it may be that you're not thankful. We see it very clearly here. This is a key in this chapter, and I'm convinced for you all, all your lives, to, to really comprehend the love of God and then to be able to love him and obey him. A key, I'm not saying the only key, but one of the keys is being thankful. And so the Israelites, again, weren't thankful. They were grumbling and complaining a lot. And so, again, when you think about your own life, when you think about how God has loved you and saved you and how God has led you and provided for you and protected you, you need to be thankful. You need to be thankful. And being thankful then will help you see that God loves you and help you then be one who loves him and trusts him and obeys him. And if you aren't thankful, then there's a really good chance you're not going to be loving and trusting and obeying God like he wants you to. Now, and that's what happened to the parents of the Israelites he was talking to. He was talking to this whole group of people. Their parents had died already, okay? And the problem was they weren't being thankful. And they were grumbling, and they were complaining, and they were sinning. There's, there's, let's see, how many chapters? There's a few chapters that are really good chapters that summarize God's working with the Israelites. And I would definitely encourage you to read them. Psalm 78 is, is one. Uh, Psalm 105 is another. Psalm 106 is another. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 9 is another. And then Acts chapter 7, Stephen speaking, is another. There's five. There might be some others, but classic. You, you really need to read those. But I want, to, I want you to go to Psalm 106. Um, Psalm 78 talks about a lot of things. Again, there's story and a lot about their unbelief. Psalm 105 is, relates a lot to God's sovereignty, and it mentions their sin there, but it's more like God was sovereign. <laughs> Even though they messed up, God was going to stick with them. Psalm 106, it talks a lot about their sin, and I'm going to read just a few of these verses here. Verse 13, they quickly forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. They weren't being thankful. They craved, verse 14, craved intensely in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. Verse 16, when they became envious of Moses in the camp and of Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord. 
Then verse 19, they made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a molten image. Verse 20, thus they exchanged their glory for the image of an ox that eats grass. Verse 21, they forgot God their Savior who had done great things for them. Then verse 24, then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe in his word. Verse 20, 25, but grumbled in their tents. They did not listen to the voice of the Lord. Verse 28, they joined themselves also to Baal, Peor, and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. So all these things they did wrong. It's, it's really, it's, it's, it's a tough chapter, but the, the, the reason I say read these yourself, 78 and 105 and 106 in Nehemiah 9 and Acts 7, is because it's, it helps you with your own life. Remember how we just talked about 1 Corinthians 10 and these things were an example? So you read verses 78, Oh, it helps you to see how you're doing, okay? And you need that. And 105 and 106, all very, very important. Now, Exodus, moving on, Exodus 21, 1 to 17 is, is, is the Ten Commandments. In Exodus, it's also in Deuteronomy uh, chapter, I think, 5. The verses 1 to 7 is how the Israelites were to worship God. You know, no false gods and, you know, remember the Lord, the Sabbath day. And then 8 through 17 is about how they were to obey God. And it's important that we see this. And it's a, just a very simple point here is that we worship God, then we obey God. But it starts with worship. Because if you're not worshiping God rightly, you're not going to be obeying God rightly, okay? That's all I want to say about that. Worship and obey God. Jesus said it this way. You remember he was talking to Satan. He said, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Similar thing. Service like obey. Worship and serve. Worship and obey. And that's a good way to sum up your life. Am I one as a Christian who is worshiping God and obeying God? Just, just very basic. That's why this Deuteronomy 8 is, is so wonderful because it just gives basic truths that we need to understand. And so anyway, in Deuteronomy 8, we're talking about how God was telling the Israelites to obey God's commands. But what you see in Deuteronomy 8, it doesn't really talk much about worshiping God or loving God. It does, it's not really there. But it's assumed because it's already been talked about in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy 1 through 7. It's already been talked about, so it doesn't need to talk about in Deuteronomy 8. He's stressing the importance of commands in, in this chapter. And so, so when Moses talks to these Israelites about obeying God's commands, it's assumed then that they know his love and that they're worshiping him and that they're trusting him and, and worshiping and, and loving God and trusting God then is foundational to obeying God. So, so what I'm stressing here, hey, he's stressing the importance of obedience, but you've got to see the foundational, what's foundational to that. It's this worship and love of God, this trusting him. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5. You continue through the chapter here. Thus you're to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Moses wants the Israelites to know that, hey, God was disciplining you, okay? As people were disciplined by God sometimes, you don't always realize it. There are times, and God is faithful, every one of us here have been disciplined by the Lord. The word discipline is a word that's also translated as to teach, to instruct, or to warn, or to chasten. And God was teaching these Israelites, and part of that teaching process was that he was chastening them. He was disciplining them, and that was through trials, okay? That's one of the primary means that God uses to teach you through trials. And, of course, God then, and we go on, 
uh, it's that last phrase, just as a man disciplines his son. And we all understand that principle there. A good parent's going to do what? A good parent's going to discipline his children, right? He's going to teach the children to do what is right. If they don't do what is right, then he will discipline or chasten or spank. He will do that. That's what he should do. And with fact, which a side note here is one of the main problems we have, main reasons we have problems in this country because children aren't being disciplined. They're not being taught respect. They're not being taught to respect or to fear their parents. It's really, it really, it's a, it's a bad scene there. But anyway, so um, then this is what is, is, is God is doing with us. Your entire Christian life, you look back, whether it's five years you've been saved or 10 or 30 or 40 or whatever, God's been disciplining you. He has. And, and, and if you think back a little bit, you can probably, yeah, he did it there, he did it there. And, and, and more than we realize, God is disciplining us on, on somewhat of a, a, a regular basis. He is. He's trying to instruct us, okay? He really wants us to learn to trust him and to obey him. That's what he's doing. And so even this next week, you think about this. What's God going to do this week? There's no doubt in my mind that God's going to keep teaching you and training you and disciplining you in areas. And we're talking here about loving God and trusting God and obeying God. In those three basic areas, it's going to happen. I'm sure it happened last week. You may not have always realized it. He's teaching you to love him and not love somebody or something else. He's teaching you to trust him. Instead of trusting yourself, he's learning, teaching you to obey him. That's what he's doing. So these are just basic instructions that we're learning here in this book of Deuteronomy. Verse 6, Deuteronomy 8, 6. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Three different points here we need to make. Keep his commandments and to walk in his ways and to fear him. Oftentimes when I'm studying the Bible and even teaching, I look at the verbs. Verbs are key. Nouns are important, but you've got to know the verbs. So I'm going to look at the three verbs in this verse right here. First, you're to obey God's commands, which we've talked about, the main theme in these first five verses of Deuteronomy 8. Second, you're to walk in God's ways. The word way means path. It means road. It can mean a highway. The point is that God wants you to be obeying him, to doing what he wants you to do. And then you will have direction, and then you'll have purpose, and then you'll be on the road that God wants you to be on, and then you'll be going where God wants you to go, and then you'll be walking in God's ways, you see. See, see the point is this. It's, it's most simple. Is, is, so let's say that, just take today, and you say, well, I'm going to obey God today. And at 2 o'clock, you obey God and do something for the Lord, okay? But then you don't do anything the rest of the day for God. Is that walking in God's ways? <laughs> you clearly understand that it, it, the continuing of obeying God's ways is that which enables you, to continuing of obeying God's commands enables you then to walk in God's ways. That's it. It's simple. So the point, it, 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 it's, it's very important. Turn to Psalm 119, first three verses of this chapter. Psalm 119, verse 1. How blessed are those whose way is blameless. That means your way of life. Your way today. Not just for, hey, at church, I was here at church for an hour and, and my way was blameless. <laughs> no, no, no. Your way, your life, today, tomorrow, your conduct, that's what we're saying. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And you see, walking in the law of the Lord is the key then for your way to be blameless. There's the law, there's the truth, there's the promises, there's, there's the principles, there are the commands. And walking in the law of the Lord then is that which enables you to be your way to be blameless. We go to verse 2. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. Okay? 
Then we go to 33, 32 and 33, same chapter. Verse 32, I shall run the way of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. You see what it says? The way of your commandments, by obeying God's commands, makes a way for you. That establishes the path and the light of life that God wants you to be on. I shall run the way of your commandments, the connection between commandments and the way that God wants you to be run on. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. I shall observe it to the end. So you're sitting there thinking, man, I'm not doing so good. And we all, you know, get convicted. That's a good prayer. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. So teach me. Just, just God help me. And he will. If you have a humble heart, he will teach you what he wants you to learn. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. It's a simple prayer for every one of us here right there. In fact, so much, I don't know how many verses, I haven't counted them, but Psalm 19 is about the word of God. That's the main theme, and much of it, it is a prayer. You, you look at it. You just go through, and you'll see, oh, that's, that's a prayer. And some are truths and principles, but much of there is a prayer. So if you spiritually don't obey God's word, you'll be out in the... If you don't obey God's word, you'll spiritually be out in the weeds. You'll be out in the woods. And so you need to obey God's commands to fulfill his purpose, to be then one who is walking in his ways. Back to Jeremy 8, 6. And to fear him. Interesting. I mentioned before that worship, on one hand, isn't so much in here. The, the one, if you want to make a case, you can say, well, fearing God is worshiping it. I would, okay, I would grant you that. Okay, that's probably true. But it doesn't say it much, and it has it number three here. I'm not really sure why, but I'll pray about it more. Maybe God will give me insight. But I want to just talk about fearing God. We know Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 9, 10 is the beginning of now, Proverbs 1, 7, beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1, 9, 10, beginning of wisdom. It just means to, to revere God. It means to respect him. It means to be awe in him. It, and, and then, as it says, you have this beginning of knowledge, beginning of wisdom, that without fearing God, you don't have anything as a Christian. A person who gets saved is one who, at least initially then, he is one who is, he is fearing God. That's what he is doing. And fearing God, then, is foundational to our lives as a Christian. I'll just read in... in uh, Proverbs eight thirteen today, and it says, the fear of the Lord is that which leads to holiness. A person who's not living a real holy life is not fearing God. And fearing God, we're going to see in a minute, is that which leads to obedience as, as well. We just said that loving and worshiping God, we said that is foundational to obeying God, right? You need to worship God, then you obey God. And if we can say, and we can say, that fearing God is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge, then we can say, hey, they're related. Worshiping God and fearing God are related. And so you need to fear God, and you need to worship God, you need to love God to obey God. So it is a key here. It's part of this whole equation in terms of our walk with the Lord. Obedience is to be ones who are fearing him. And so fearing God, that results in worshiping God, and worshiping God results in obeying God, and obeying God results in keeping God's ways. It all goes together, okay? Fearing God, worshiping God, keeping God's commands, and then walking in God's ways. So you see then how these are connected. I want you to go back with me, if you're in your Bible, to Deuteronomy 5. Just look at a few verses that show this same, similar kind of pattern here. Deuteronomy 5, 29 
Deuteronomy 5.29 says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. There we see it directly. You fear God, then you'll keep his commandments. Okay? Then we go to Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13. There's a few more words in, in these two verses. 10, 10, 12, and 13. Now, Israel... Verse 12, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today for your good. So we, a lot of the same thoughts we talk about here today. Let me go one more, 13, 1 to 4. You've got to read 13. I'm only going to read a few reasons. Deuteronomy 13 is an important chapter, okay? And it's really instructive. But anyway, I'll just go a few verses here. One, if a prophet or a dreamer or of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign of the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods whom you have not known and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet. So he's basically saying, hey, if somebody tells you to go after some of the God, don't do it, okay? And he shows you some sign. He's got some sign to say, hey, I've got something to say here. Don't listen to him. For the Lord your God is testing you. I love this verse. The Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him, and you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, and cling to him. And so these verses, these last two, Proverbs, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 10 and Deuteronomy 13 here, are good because you have all these words here in this one verse. And so... Keeping God's commands and is the key subject of Deuteronomy 8, but we read about all these other things that are essential, fearing God and loving God and worshiping God and trusting God, and they go together, and you, you cannot separate them one from another. So we're focused then. We've been focused on keeping God's commands and principles that are essential, that are necessary to keep God's commands, and what then does, does Moses say are the benefits of doing that? Turn to Deuteronomy 8, verses um, 7 to 9. Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can, drink, you can dig copper. And so, um, we understand that it was about 600 years before this time that God was talking to Abraham. And Abraham, God promised to Abraham this good land and that he would bless him. And he kept repeating this promise. It's in Genesis 12, 13, 15, 17, and other places too. But now at this time, it's about 1400 B.C., 600 years later, okay? And so now you have Moses talking to Abraham's descendants, and talking about this land and talking about the blessings of the land and the commands and how they're going to be blessed. That's what he's doing. And in fact, I, I want, you, want you to go to Genesis. I want you to see this, 15, verse 16. Not that I want to get political here, but I want to be biblical. As people debate the issue about the land of Israel, whose land is it? You know, this debate, should we have a two-state solution? You know, well, what happened? Jeremiah 15, verse 16. This is what happened around 400 B.C. It says, Then in the fourth generation, you, they will return here 
that is the Jewish people, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. So there's other people living in this land that they're going to go into, but they were sinning. And if you want to look at a chapter that is, I, I don't like to read it. It's, it's my worst chapter to read, okay? It's Leviticus 18, because it's all about sexual sin, okay? That's what it is. And it basically says that the reason, and it goes, it uses the word vomit, the reason God vomited these people, these Amorites and others out of the land because of their sexual sin and other sins as well, okay? The point I'm making is, oh, yeah, it was somebody else's land back around 1500, 16, 17, but God promised it to the Israelites, okay? In fact, you go to Psalm, 1, Psalm 37, Steve was singing today. I think it's, I'm not sure it's five times or six times, but it uses the phrase inherit the land, and the word forever is embedded there. They're going to inherit the land forever, okay? You go to 2 Samuel 7 about David and his descendant, Jesus being king. Forever is repeated seven times, okay? There's this forever element. So the point I'm saying here is that the land is their land, okay? That's, that's what is going on. And there's occupants of the land, and they've taken pretty good care of the land, and there's houses there and food and all kinds of good stuff. That's, that's what happened. I mean, you, you think about this. They were, they were going from a desert land to this promised land to a very fruitful land. What, what a, a stark contrast. You know, just like out in the desert, <laughs> having manna and, and, and quail and, and water, and that was it to go into this promised land. But they were to be thankful, right? We understand that because sometimes we can tend to complain if, our, if we don't have as much as we want. Be thankful at all times. And so Moses is telling them, hey, you're going to have this food. You're going to be satisfied. You then are to bless the Lord, which is another way to thank, say thank, to thank the Lord. It, I think it comes from a word that means to kneel, the word bless, to kneel or to thank, to worship the Lord, to give honor to him because of what he has done for you. And so they're to bless the Lord for this good land and this good food that they're getting. That's what happens. But then we go back to Deuteronomy here, and we're going to look at this more next week. We just want to take a few minutes on this as we finish up here now this week. But look at Deuteronomy 11 to 14, and again, we'll visit this next week. But I want you to see this in this context. It's a very strong warning, and we, we see in the last part of this chapter these warnings from God. Verse 11 to 14, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and, all your, and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Okay. Now, what we understand big picture is God is very patient because they stayed in the land for 800 years. They finally around 606 B.C. and 586 B. They were, God pushed them out. They came back later. But anyway, so the point is he's warning them here. That's what he's doing. He said that they're not to forget him. And the way then that they know that they won't be forgetting him is if they are keeping his commands. That's what he's saying. Very, very important here. So Moses then goes back to the importance of these commands. He's saying now, okay, don't forget me. And the way you know is, is if you're not forgetting to keep my commands, but in fact are keeping them. And if they're not obeying God's commands, then they're not being humble. For that not, then, you know, uh, they need to be humble to obey God's commands. And, of course, the opposite of humility is pride. We all understand that. A person who's proud is one who's looking to himself. In general, a person who is humble is one who is then looking to God. So he's instructing him there. 
Then back to verse 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today. And of course, this is instructional for us. I mean, if you're, if you're a Christian here today and you're not doing what God wants you to do, you've forgotten God. Okay, that's just, that's the way it is. If you're not actively obeying God's commands, it can be simple as loving one another, you know, trusting the Lord. There's really basic, simple commands. So that's what he is saying to them. So, so we forget God by, we don't forget God by keeping God's commands. Now, we've said before that keeping God's commands means that you're fearing God, that you're loving God, that you're worshiping him. And fearing God and loving God and worshiping him are all heart issues, right? You, you can't see if somebody's fearing God. I mean, you can maybe tell by their actions, but you just don't know for sure. So you can't see if a person is fearing and loving God, but you can see if a person is obeying God. If a person is truly obeying God, which you can see, then you know that he's fearing and loving God, which you can't see. And that's the whole principle. That's why, that's why Moses is saying this, or God is saying this here. The reason, then, that Moses says we need to obey God, not forget God, is that he wants to give us concrete steps, outward things that we can do that are indications, reflections of a heart, then, that is loving God. Okay? That's all. That's, that's, there's other points here, but that's, that's one of the main things we need to understand. Now, back to Deuteronomy 8. We're going to close here. We're not going to... I'll read them next week. We're going to go to f- cover more, verse 11 to 14 next week, and then finish with 15 to 20, the last part of the chapter. There's a lot more here. It's very important. And it, and it all relates then to, to your life, and it's relevant. And that's why the, the truths and the principles we are going here over here in Deuteronomy 8 are so basic for you. Every single Christian, you need to apply these principles that we're talking about, about trust and faith and humility and obedience and walking in God's ways and fearing God, all these different things. So just ask God to help you. And I, I love it that we, we're going to have communion here in a, in a few minutes. And the, the wonderful thing is, as Christians is that we all make mistakes or we all sin. And we have this time of communion to remember, hey, I'm forgiven. And so sometimes as, as, as Christians we get bummed out that, that the past is dragging on us. And we have to learn to forget it. And forgiveness is a key to forgetting what has happened in the past. So we're going to take a minute to pray, then we'll have our communion time. Father, thank you for this time here to go through Deuteronomy 8. Indeed, there's so many good things here for us to learn, and I pray for each one of us here. We, we, we read before in Psalm 119, teach me the way of, of your statutes, Lord. Help us to follow you. Help us to, to, to walk in the way of your commands, Lord. I just ask that each one of us here, no wherever we're at in our life, that you would just be with us and lead us and encourage us. And God, by your Holy Spirit, just, just, just if we need to be convicted of sin, convict us. If you need to lead us by your Spirit to teach us, if you need to empower us by your Spirit, God, by your Spirit, just help us in accordance, in conjunction with, the, with, with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son, our Father and our Savior and our our, our comforter, the Holy Spirit. But thank you again for everyone here today. Thank you for your great love for us. We do pray you protect us, Lord, as, as a family of believers, individuals, and, and individual families here as well. And again, those who aren't feeling well, Lord, I just pray that you'd encourage them and comfort them, Lord. And, and all of us have different ailments, I know, but, but thank you that you're faithful with us. So just lead us, O oh God, in all the ways that you have for us. God can help us to continue on 
I love that promise in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 8. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.